Welcome to Perspectives Unsettled, a podcast that exists to challenge our assumptions about faith and move the average Christian from status quo into boldness in action. I'm your host, Emily Luttrell. And I'm Ben Stewart. And with us today is Sarah Walsh. Woohoo! What's up, Sarah? Hey, good to be here. We're excited to have you. We were just saying you haven't been on our podcast yet, and it seems wrong. Crazy. Unbelievable. So sorry. <laughs> oh, you're forgiven. <laughs> Oh, that's a relief. Well, it feels like it's been a while since we've done this. So it has. You're here a little rusty in person. A little rusty with this. I am. I'm back in Evansville mm-hmm. from from the small city of Denver to the booming metropolis of Evansville. So um we're gonna introduce Sarah here in, in a few moments uh, a bit more fully and adequately. Um and I'm usually these questions kind of give away our topic. That's the case for today's question. Oh, man. Sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about discernment and um, discerning prayer and listening prayer and seeking the Lord's will, all that, you know, just really easy, lighthearted stuff, as we typically do on yeah. these podcasts. So the question I thought would be appropriate for today is, what is a decision you made that went sideways? Now... Let me qualify it immediately. <laughs> like it can be, I'm thinking like it can be lighthearted, simple, silly. One of those like, oh, I thought this was going to go this way. It totally backfired on me. Now, if you want to share something like really deep and, and, you know, like bare your soul, you can, I'm not saying you can't, but it's meant to be more lighthearted. So I will, I will share a story first, mostly to give you two ladies the opportunity to think of your own mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and to also give an example of what I mean of mm-hmm. a decision gone sideways or badly. Mm-hmm. So try to keep it quick. A couple of months ago, went to Myanmar with one of our other staff colleagues, Jeff Munting. Myanmar is really far away in case you don't know where it is. Mm-hmm. Takes a lot of travel to get there. It was a great trip. It was an exhausting trip. It, I was awake for 40 hours straight coming back. And so it was just exhausted, wiped mentally out of it. Land at Denver International Airport at around like 1 p.m. Kathy picks me up, get home, unpack, do the whole thing. By the time I'm sort of like done, you know, getting cleaned up, et cetera, it's almost dinner time. So Kathy's like, let's grill out. And I say, yeah, no problem. I'm totally, totally awake. Mm, and totally capable, capable after being awake for 40 plus hours <laughs> and being in a developing country for several days to grill out over an open flame. <laughs> and so our house in Colorado, we have this, our backyard is a deck. It is a big, massive, all wood deck with a huge tree, kind of like Bilbo's party tree mm-hmm. in the middle of the deck, lots of wood. <laughs> and so go out, start grilling, put burgers out, grilling away, doing my thing, zoning out. And then Kathy's like, let's grill, let's make some bacon for, you know, bacon, hamburger type things. Great. This is the decision gone sideways. Mm -hmm. I was like, put, let's just throw the bacon on the grill in aluminum foil, throw it on bacon grease everywhere, Mm. fire (laughs) all up and down. And then in a horrible moment, I'm like, get me some water, Uh, which if you don't know, listener, water is the last thing you're supposed to pour on a grease fire because mm-hmm. it just spreads it. It right. doesn't put it out. So I dump water on this grease fire and it just like, I, I, I thought we were seconds, moments away from the whole deck 
and then therefore my house going up in flames. Mm. And then I remembered, wait, just turn the propane tank off and close the lid. <laughs> and I did, and the fire went out. So that's my most recent example. Not the only one, but most recent example of oh, a, a decision gone sideways. So I hope that gave ah. you enough time to think of your own. Man, I was, I mean, I was so caught up in their story. It's so exciting. It's <laughs> danger. I don't know. On the edge of your seat. Yeah. So the lesson is there might be a quick solution, but that's right. don't leave it it's to the sleep the right Yeah. Yeah. I would say one of our, my least uh, successful decisions was when I approached my husband. We had three kids. They were still pretty young, maybe like three to nine. Uh, because, you know, every kid, it seems like at some point in their life, wants a dog. Mm. Um, and I approached uh, Tom, my husband, saying, you know, I really think we should try this. And I don't know how I should say this because some of our listeners might be really offended, but my <laughs> husband's not a huge like pet person. And That's so he, mildly. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, anyway, he was like, you know, kind of put off the decision for a little bit. Not that it was only up to him, but he was willing to at least consider it, which was really big of him knowing that I mean, I'm thinking you all know that if you get a, a pet when your kids are young, you as a parent are really the ones who take mm -hmm. care of it. Um, and so he knew this very wisely. And I was like, oh, the kids, they'll be great. They'll do this. You know, I'll, I'll take care of it if not. And um, over time, I did wear him down and uh, <laughs> against his uh, better judgment. And we did find a, the cutest little puppy we had for a while and uh, sure enough it was Tom who was taking care of the dog <laughs> because he was being a gentleman at 10 p.m and I'm in bed and there's bugs outside we lived in Florida and he couldn't feasibly as you know a kind husband say you go take the dog out <laughs> um, it just didn't go well and naturally he's the one who had to clean up the mess and blah 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 there was there's far more to the story but needless to say we didn't have the dog for too too long um and haven't had one since and that really has worked out better for our family <laughs> maybe not for our kids but for us <laughs> yeah i was gonna say was there like emotional scarring for the kids once the dog had to go away you know, there wasn't this, this particular breed was kind of a mix of breeds. Okay. And as the, the dog got older, he started really biting like neighbors. We had lots of kids in our oh. neighborhood and kids over. Uh, and it actually became a really good excuse to have to get rid of uh, Ringo, Ringo. Because, Ringo. yeah, you know, we're not Beatles fans necessarily, but he had a ring on his tail and the kids thought that was great. So, um, and they were even getting a little bit nervous around him. So it just seemed like the right thing to do. There and I know secretly there was some celebration by a few. In house, <laughs> that's a good, that's but a good it example. Wasn't, it wasn't very wise. I was gone bad. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. 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 Now, Emily, I'm, I'm sure you have very few examples in your life. I, yeah. I'm very so, few. Even if you need to like, you know, borrow one from somebody else's life yeah. and just make it your own. Do you have another one that you I, can... I do, but it'd be <laughs> hard for shocking. me to tell it to you right now. 
Yeah. The, the first bad decision, um, that came up in my mind was from middle school, which is full of many bad decisions. Um, but one was I was on a church trip with my friends. Um, and the last day right after it was like a church camp thing, whatever, we have a big meeting on Sunday morning and everyone like gets on the bus and goes home in, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And it was like a tradition. We'd always go to this like pancake place. Oh boy. Um, it's like our last hurrah. And, um, me and like all of our friends were like, let's eat as many pancakes as we possibly can. Oh. So we're like, great. <laughs> um, and we ate a lot of pancakes oh. and then immediately got on a bus for like oh, eight hours. So bad. I actually do not, I cannot stand the smell of maple syrup. <laughs> but you ate pancakes? I, I ate so many pancakes. Do you recall then. a range of how many? They were the Swedish pancakes, uh-huh. so they're very thin. I really don't know. More I, than 10? I, I don't. I couldn't say. I have no idea. Let's say it was 17. It, it was enough. <laughs> <laughs> and then I spent like eight hours trying not to throw up. Did people puke? There, it was one of those um, buses with a bathroom in the back. Oh. So there was lots of like... Yeah. Visiting. Oh, I, I didn't, so I didn't throw up on the bus, <laughs> oh. but I cannot, I cannot have maple syrup to this day. <laughs> yeah. That's a bad decision. Yeah. yeah. My one regret in life. Yeah. That's pretty good. If that's it. Yeah. One night at a small group I was in in college, we spent a long time arguing about how to make a decision when buying a car, and specifically how to figure out what car God wants you to buy. And I remember one guy was very insistent that this really mattered. And his argument was, you know, maybe you like a blue car, but what if buying a red car means you strike up a conversation with someone about the color of your car, and then you start talking about God, and then you lead him to Christ, and it's all because you bought a red car. And if you buy the blue car, none of that will happen. The color of your car can have an eternal consequence, and so you have to know how to choose the right car. And that guy was very earnest, and I don't tell the story just to make fun of him, Uh, But because as ridiculous as it seems, it's still an attitude that a lot of us have when it comes to discerning God's will. I know I tend to see the process of discernment as having a choice between A and B. And one of these is the right choice and one of these is the wrong choice. And if I don't choose the right one, then I'm going to go against God's plan. So I have to get really serious and I have to do the right kind of Bible study and I have to figure out, do I get the red car or the blue car? Discernment can include seeking guidance in specific situations, but it's much broader than that. And as Uncharted has been learning about this topic as a staff, it seemed like a good time to tackle it on the podcast. So today we're talking with Sarah Walsh, Uncharted's Director of Intercession and Care, and we're asking questions like, what actually is discernment and how does scripture tell us to pursue it? What does it mean to practice discernment and how do we do it in community? And most importantly, what color car does God want me to buy? <laughs> I feel like I should say I have neither a blue nor red car. I don't know what that means. That was a great intro. Thanks. <laughs> I'll say. Great intro. Neither Emily. do I. Yeah. Thank you for setting this conversation up. And and yeah, to join us to walk through this conversation 
is Sarah. And Sarah, we're really glad to have you on the podcast. And Sarah, um, let me give a little bit, I'll, I'll try to keep it brief, but a um, bit more context for, for who Sarah is to the listener. Um, first and foremost, she and her husband, Tom, are, are longtime friends of Kathy's and mine. We met many years ago, probably closer to two decades ago than less. And um, they were in ministry in Sanibel Island, Florida. And my family and I were in ministry in Wisconsin. And just through some different opportunities and circumstances, we we connected have been good friends since then. And uh, each of our respective families have moved around from different places. And now we've both of our families have converged in Colorado. You guys have been there for several years already, and we've just moved back to the Denver area. So good friends of ours. But a few years ago for the Uncharted staff, uh, there came a moment where just really believed in the importance of we, we need somebody on our team who can help model for us, who can help teach us, who can help guide us in a deepening uh, awareness for how how to actually live out this value we have of following the lead of the Holy Spirit. Um, so if you've listened to our podcast before, you've probably heard that strategic value stated. It's one of four, um, following the lead of the Holy Spirit. And we said, we, we want to literally put our money where our mouth is. And this is so important to us. We want somebody on our team um, whose primary thought and commitment is to help our team and, and, and then from there to spread out to our board and even to field partners and church partners and supporters. Um, what, how do we discern God's voice and God's will and God's leading together? And when we were thinking about that role, um, Sarah, your name was at the top of that list and you very graciously agreed to join our team, um, at that time. And I think it's been, how long have you been part of our staff now, Sarah? Has it been three years, two years? Uh, Two years, almost, yeah, just about. Yeah, awesome. So you heard mm-hmm. earlier that her role is uh, director of intercession and care, and so um, that those are intentional word choice uh, intercession, just being exactly that. So Sarah, you spend some of your time on on our team praying for us and praying for our field mm-hmm. partners and our church partners right. and even our donors and um, yep. people, anybody that's connected to Uncharted. Um, and you do also lead us in prayer. Um, we have rhythms as a staff um, where you you guide us through different types of listening prayer. Um, and and at staff retreats, there's whole sections of time that that you lead us through. So this is a really important role for us. This is a really important value for us, and it's something that we've been continuing to learn and push and stretch ourselves in. And so uh, it is great to have you on this podcast to talk with us um, about this whole journey of discerning God's will and listening to his voice. So thanks for joining us. I'll kick it back over to you, Emily, to kind of guide the next part of the conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I mean, I think our first question, maybe rightly so, is what is discernment? What does it mean? Because um, like we're talking about in the intro, I think a lot of people think of it as knowing how to mi- how to make a choice between, you know, A and B. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But is that, is that all that it is? Or Sarah, maybe just how would you define it in general? Right. And sometimes it is that, uh, but a lot of times it's not uh, exclusively that. Uh, there's a quote I read not too long ago by a guy named Kevin O'Brien. He said, the one who discerns 
is like the adventurers who test the winds or check a compass to make sure they're heading in the right direction. And so really, it's just checking in and being aware of um, God's movement, his heart, and then being willing to follow that. Um, the thing is, we when we kind of endeavor to discern those things, we have to do that with others, which is really cool. We don't have to do that alone. And we certainly don't depend on our own intellect or instincts exclusively. God gave us those things, but um, really we're just seeking what the Lord wants and then going from there. One of the things that I'd love for um, you to talk a little bit about maybe unpack a little bit more is just this idea mm-hmm. of um, we talk about listening to God's voice and understanding um, God's heart. Um, mm-hmm. how, how does a, how does a person start to become more familiar with those and what place does that have in a discerning, in the discerning process? Um, mm-hmm. You know, because again, that's, that's a little bit less tangible than this is the right or wrong decision to Emily's, you know, somewhat humorous example of get the blue car or the red car. Um, how, how does that aspect play into this discernment process of knowing God's heart, um, the way he's moving us, the way he's moving? Right. Right. It's, that's a really great question. Um, Truthfully, there's no one way to do it. There's no set uh, steps that you have to follow. But one of the things that's really key is becoming more self-aware and actually creating space in your own personal life, in your own day, to be quiet before the Lord. It could be, there's different practices, and we can talk about those a little bit later um, with some of the other questions. But um, And then also intentionally creating space with others. So if you're a leader, you would want to enlist your co-leaders with you because you're responsible not only for your own spiritual formation and life and following Jesus, but for others as well uh, in guiding them. And then you could be a parent, you could be a husband or a wife, you could be a friend, but you would certainly want to enlist others who you know are really trying to grow in following Jesus, following the spirit, inviting him into their life. And then what you do is you actually create intentional times where you uh, ask good questions. If you, so say you have a decision that you have to make, you're going to work on your own and figure out where do you have peace? Where do you not? Uh, What you have to discuss the things that might seem a little bit vulnerable for you. Discussion and listening prayer are both really key components of discernment and that process. What I love is that it's not only praying. So it's not only discussing. It's kind of pairing the two together. Uh, God made us, you know, body and soul and spirit. And really what I've noticed is when we engage in trying to discern God's will, he actually is inviting us to, um, be attentive to all three parts of how we're made. Mm. So we endeavor to listen to what the spirit is saying, but we, sometimes he's speaking through our body. Sometimes Mm. he's speaking through our thoughts. So 
uh, like at Uncharted, you've done a really great job, Ben, of creating space in staff meetings, per se, or in our gatherings or at retreats where uh, if we have decisions or we're looking, you know, at a vision we believe God's given us, you will create space so that we can say, how do we feel about that? That feels a little weird to say, how do we feel about it because of, you know, the stigma of um, following your emotions, but recognize that God has actually given us different ways to sense his movement. It's mm. actually important if you get that kind of knot in your stomach or your heart is racing. So there's different ways to actually learn self-awareness so you can feel and you're aware of your thoughts. And then in a group setting with a friend or leaders, you actually will try to verbalize these things and give space for people to be honest about how they're feeling if that brings peace if that brings excitement, um, if it doesn't make any sense, and yet you have this sense of, I believe this is what we're supposed to do, that's really good because sometimes God's directives don't make sense. They're not logical. Um, and then you take time and you get quiet together and you bring it at home, you know, bring it home. Mm. And if it's still not settling with you, you go back to the team and you say what you're feeling. And we actually give space to listen to these things. We're not moved and exclusively directed by those things. But then we take that to the Lord and wrestle with it until mm -hmm. he's giving us a common consensus. Mm -hmm. And then we attempt to move forward in what we believe together, what he's saying to us. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. And there's a lot there that I'd love to unpack. And mm -hmm. I think some of it will come back to. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think another yeah. question I, I've, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on from, from both of you and, and maybe share some of my own thoughts. Um, but usually when I hear the word, you know, like discerning God's will, um, that sort of decision-making interpretation of, of this conversation, it's, it's like after the fact, right? So the problem or the challenge or the question or the dilemma has been presented to us. Now I have to reactively discern God's will. How am I going to respond? Which way am I going to go? What are we going to do? What are we not going to do? Um, and I think there's a lot, like a lot of what you just said, um, provides great practices for, you know, for how to discern the, those answers. Would you say that discernment is primarily or maybe even exclusively reactive in that way? Or is there sort of like a, a proactive um, before the decision even has to, you know, even presents itself that has to be made or before the challenge comes in, into our view, like, is there, mm -hmm. you know what I'm asking? Right. Is there, is there a, mm -hmm. a discern, a way of discerning God's will even before you want to get ahead of the problem? Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Right. I yeah. Rambled. Emily, totally. Emily concisely um, said it. <laughs> good at wordsmithing. Um, Totally. That makes sense. I think it's both and instead of either or. But I, when I look at discernment, I look at it as a way of life. And so if we're growing in our self-awareness, if we're growing in our God awareness, you know, and just attentive to um, noticing those common threads in our life that he's where he's showing up and then we're more attentive to 
speaking and being vulnerable and sharing because we've built trust with other leaders or with our friends or our family or someone that we're growing with. Uh, I think that preemptively, God will just be showing us where he is. And then our spirit is naturally and our hearts, hopefully, will be in a place that we'll actually want to respond to that. And like at Uncharted, that's part of uh, following the lead of the Holy Spirit is we're actually asking him to go before us to show us where he's at. And then we want to join him there. Hmm. And then we have more discerning to do because the how comes into play. And sometimes that makes a difference. And we honestly, the how is where the experimentation Hmm. tends to come in, you know, Um, so I feel like. God is always inviting us to listen and always inviting us to see where he is, making himself known, and then we get to respond to that. Uh, And that will beg us then or invite us to make further decisions that will be like, oh, I didn't know I had to ask that question, but now I'm seeing God over here and I want to join him. Mm -hmm. He's like prompting our hearts. So, yeah, it's good. Um, as I, as I was getting preparing for the podcast, I, uh, was talking to Will Barnes, mm-hmm. friend of the show. And I asked him a little shout out to Will, shout out to Will. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was like, hey, what, Will. <laughs> what are you, what are your thoughts on discernment? And he, um, was talking about like, sometimes it is, um, an exercise in wisdom as mm-hmm. opposed to like, uh, seeking out maybe an, an outside answer to a, a dilemma that you have, um, and like God walks with us and builds us wisdom. And sometimes decisions are handed over to us mm. and it's like, you, you've cultivated the wisdom. And so like now these things come more naturally. Mm. Um, and there are, there are times that are beyond our wisdom mm-hmm. where we do need guidance. Um, but, but taking the time to, you know, develop yourself and then trust that mm-hmm. as also a way God works in you. Not everything, you know, mm-hmm. has to come down from a scroll from heaven. Right. Like some some of the things <laughs> like you know. Right. It doesn't have to be so agonizing. Right. It doesn't have to be so no. like, yeah. yeah, like I need the clouds right. to part and the scroll to come down. Like, especially for those of us as followers of Jesus, like we have the we have the spirit within us. And and that's one of the things that he promises about his presence is is giving us that wisdom, right. giving us that insight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Speaking of agonizing, <laughs> I, I, um, I'm a, I'm a, here's my confession. I'm a big procrastinator in general. Mm. And sometimes I think discernment can be a long process that can be used as a tool in putting off a decision. Mm. Um, especially when you're thinking about, um, in, in good ways and bad ways, but like the guy wringing his hands over what color car to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe either of you have any gentle encouragement for that, that hypothetical person who um, either doesn't trust themselves to make a decision or is just prolonging um, and not knowing what to do. How do you, at what point do you just be like, you just have to do it? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take a first stab at an, inc- an incomplete response, but a couple, couple of random thoughts is first of all, I think, you know, there's, we've heard that like we've heard some of this language before so this isn't new but i think there's a lot of category of of there's 
more definitiveness and clarity around like God's moral uh, will and leading. And there's a lot of things where it's like, okay, we just, we just know like this either falls inside God's heart for us or, or outside of it. And I think there's a lot of stuff that I would categorize as like not pertaining to God's moral will in decision-making, like the example of a blue car or a red car mm-hmm. uh, is, is not going to, in my opinion, my humble opinion is not going to be an affront to God's moral will. If you use a red car or a blue car. And actually um, I know you're, analogy was lighthearted, but, but, but there are a lot of people who kind of think that way. And I think what it does is it reduces in a way it kind of reduces God because it, it's almost saying like, unless you make the right decision about this non-moral issue, this whole act of God is, is either going to happen or it's not. So it's like, it's contingent on you making the quote unquote right decision. Mm -hmm. And that really reduces in a way that really reduces God because it's, it's saying like his plan of redemption is contingent on whether you choose a red or blue car. And, um, though I obviously believe that God wants to include us in his plan of redemption and mission, I don't think he's at, the mercy of my decisions about whether I buy, buy a red car or a blue car. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if this is making sense, but I, I think that sort of mentality mm-hmm. is actually a reduction of who God is. Um, especially when it's around decisions that, that have, that don't really reflect, uh, an aspect of his character, you know, like the, the similar example in my life when I was in high school was what college do you go to? And I remember agonizing, like, do I go to Northwestern? Do I go to Wheaton? Do I go to a Christian college? Do I go to a quote unquote secular college? And just this agony of like, what if I get it wrong? And years later, I almost want to be like, God didn't really care. (laughs) Like he didn't care if I went to Wheaton or Moody or Northwestern or Yale, what he cared about is what is my presence in those places? And does it, does it honor him? I like that you think you could have gone to Yale though. I just slipped that in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's no way I was going. (laughs) I'm going to stop talking and let Sarah say (laughs) something much better. I don't know about that, but, uh, I agree. And when we say the word discernment, it kind of has this implication of like heavy, uh, so serious and weighty and it's got to be arduous and life isn't like that. Like if you think of a conversation between you and a friend or a partner, there are decisions that are heavy and weighty and take time. And then there are some quick and easy ones. The cool thing is when we walk with Jesus, we actually become his partner. Like it's mind blowing that we get to partner with him. But he does entrust us, like you were saying earlier, uh, Emily. Like he's entrusted us um, with a will, yes, but also with the ability to make decisions and to co-create with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had an example years ago. A friend asked if I would uh, join a board of their nonprofit, a local one, and I wasn't sure. You know, I didn't have a definitive answer, and I felt like when I was asking the Lord, like do you think I have capacity? Is this the right time? Do I have, uh, you know, is this what you want? And he was, I 
thought kind of felt like he said, what do you want to do? And I wasn't used to that kind of question. Mm. Um, so I took it to my friends and because I wanted to. I believed in their cause. I wanted to be a part of this. I liked the people who were in it. I knew I'd have lots to learn and it would stretch me. Um, felt like I could contribute. But those are all logical reasons and some emotional reasons. And I think I was working on trusting my walk and like with the Lord. And so discernment kind of was this easy, quick conversation. I took it to a few friends who knew me. They knew my life and situation and know what I have capacity for, for the most part. And they're like, sounds good to me. You know, like it wasn't this long prayer because they already have been walking. Like we've been discerning if we want to use that term, but basically we've been learning and growing and knowing each other and knowing what our heart's desires are for years. And so it didn't take a long time for them to say, yeah, as long as you don't overdo yourself here, because I know your priority is your family, I think you'll be totally fine. And you'll know when it's time to be done with that season. It was simple. And really that's kind of what discernment with the Lord is, is personally committing to growing and understanding and learning him and each other together with others so that you kind of can walk out a lot of decisions pretty quickly and easily because you just already know the heart and he already knows you. So mm -hmm. kind of simple. It's not super tangible. We hear like, you know, a checklist and we like to be able to say, okay, question one, two, and three, then we can say yes or no, red or blue car. Mm -hmm. It's a little more subjective. <laughs> the, the point is posturing your heart to say, God, whatever you want is what we want. And sometimes we're going to be super quick to say that. And other times we're going to have to wrestle like Jesus, you know, and go, I actually don't want what you want right now. And this is making me sweat, blood and tears, but please get me there, mm -hmm. you know, because ultimately I do. Um, it's really a learning process and, there's a lot of grace. I think we're going to experiment. I think we fear if we don't have question one, two, and three and can't check all those boxes. <gasps> can I ever get there? This little subjective. We can. We can trust the Holy Spirit to show us. And then we can experiment. And if we do a really lousy job at first, that's okay. You know, toddlers learn by falling down when they're trying to walk. That's part of what they learn. And so that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's grace with all that. Sarah, in your your personal journey of of learning more about this and discovering more about this, and and now leading us as a staff and and others, um, what have been some key, either passages of scripture that have have helped inform you how to discern God's voice, or examples in scripture of what that's looked like or how it's happened? Um, are there any? Yeah, just, just principles from scripture or actual examples in scripture of that have helped you in your development of discernment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's, there's quite a few, but I would say the Psalms in general, which are very conversational in some ways. I know it's a, they're songs, but those are huge because it's clear that there's this growth in a person that they wrestled with God that they have advisors, um, that they have 
usually people around them when the kings are writing, uh, they have other voices, which is really cool. And there's actual um, scriptures that talk about counsel. But then I think of Jesus a lot of times when he he was talking uh, to the disciples, you know, when he's talking to people, when he's talking, he's like, when you pray, when you fast, when you this, mm-hmm. when you that. There's already this um, assumption mm-hmm. that people are engaging in places and spaces to have conversation with him, mm-hmm. to have conversation with each other. Uh, one of the coolest things about um, scripture is when. Paul or, you know, the apostles or Jesus, when they're talking, uh, they're actually not talking to individuals. Uh, When they're speaking, they're actually uh, already assuming because of the culture was very community oriented and not individually based, that when he's saying, when you pray, he's actually talking to their community, their family, their uh, group that they are regularly gathering with. Um, in early acts in their homes specifically, but it was never a, you go and do this alone. Now there were times that Jesus went away and prayed alone. So, or uh, you hear a Paul on, you know, he's Mm -hmm. getting a vision. He's by himself. He wasn't with another. Um, Those are really specific times that God will speak. And then directly after that, he was with other people. Mm -hmm. God, like Paul, per se, sent him to Cornelius. And um, he was speaking to Cornelius also individually. And then they came together and figured out the discipleship process for Paul. Mm. Um, But I love, I mean, all over in Acts is groups of people. Um, Like in Acts 6, I could list several scriptures, um, verses 1 through 7, there was the complaint in the church about how, you know, the poor and the widows, uh, they weren't getting equal treatment. They weren't getting taken care of. And the apostles were like, um, we can't really pause what we're doing. We've been commissioned to preach the word of God, but you guys find people that you trust that are um, capable and they will become the people who will take care of the widows, you know, and, but it was a group decision. There's other times where um, you'll see that they had to wrestle together. Like when um, Paul got a, a prophetic word by someone in the community, I think it's in Acts 21, that if he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to get bound and tied. And then that community with him were like, no, we don't want you to go then avoid Jerusalem. Like, and they're wrestling together uh, basically until they were all like basically so weary and tired. And Mm. they said the Lord's will be done, but it was a together thing. Um, And I love that there was contention. There's a lot of times in Acts where there's actual contention and then a figuring things out and a way to move forward. Mm. That's good. I like that word contention. That's a, mm-hmm. You would because you're an Enneagram 8. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the, the themes that's been coming up a lot, I mean, just in this conversation, is that discernment is not like an individual activity. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Like one of the 
I think one of the big questions a lot of people have in terms of it is like, how do I know if I'm just trusting my gut or if it's God, if it's really his voice. Mm -hmm. And I think like the question is like, well, if you talk to people about it, they can help you figure it out. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people are unwilling to take a step and be vulnerable and invite people into, you know, a decision-making process, um, Mm -hmm. which makes it so fun and easy, Ben, when you decide that's what we're going to do as a staff. (laughs) And, and you love it, don't you? It's that's where I thrive is being on the spot and then being vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. Sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it really was, um, four years ago when, when things with unstart with uncharted started to really turn around, it just, it struck me, uh, even though it sounds oversimplistic and sort of like a duh thing that, you know, here we are as an organization that internationally is trying to go to places that are, are truly uncharted. Um, there you go to use the word, uh, but seriously are, you know, are very intense places in so many different ways. And then on this side of the ocean, trying to help people come alive help them come up, become aware and engage with God's mission. Just the overwhelming dauntingness, if that's a word, uh, mm-hmm. of, of both those aspects and how that really solidified. We, we really have to take seriously following the lead of the Holy Spirit in this. Like we, we cannot wake up one day and realize just how far off track we've gotten because we've been following our own whims or wills or egos or des- or desires, um, but really uh, so focused on, on this, on discerning God's will in all these aspects. And, and so that's, that's what, you know, led to you, Sarah, joining our team. And then a part of that yeah. has led to how do we grow together in this? And um, so we started, uh, several months ago now, um, the the book Pursuing God's Will Together by Ruth Haley Barton. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, Sarah, you you brought us to, you guys know how much I love a scale. Like if we were at a, you know, at a two, a, two or three-ish on, as, as a team before you joined, Sarah, you really ramped us up on that scale. And then this book under your uh uh, guidance has has ramped us up even more just in terms of the learning and the growing and the stretching and the pushing us um and and it has been a challenge i mean it's there's been moments even in the last month or two where actually i can think of one that happened last week where it's like here was a decision we faced and two years ago even maybe a year ago i would have been like okay well this is a decision we're just going to make it move on you know Boom, bada boom, bada bing, Enneagram eight, let's go. And, <laughs> and like learning how to pause, learning how to create the space to really listen, um, learning to humble myself and allow, speaking for myself right now, uh, humble myself and allow others and invite others to, to shape and, um, and, and help discern what is the way forward, um, creating the space you know, not, not just making the decision super quick and moving on, but like actually slowing down a little bit, the process and saying, okay, God confirm, um, or stir up, you know, what needs to be, uh, what needs to be confirmed or stirred up in this decision. So it's, it's been a challenge, uh, for us as a team, I would say individually and, and corporately. Um, but I feel that urgency 
and and the more our mission is lived out as an organization the more we go after things as an organization the deeper this conviction grows uh for me so emily with that as sort of like um some contextualization for this journey that we've been on as a staff um sort of joking aside like what what is that been like for you um because you've you've been with us since the beginning of this journey um you know there's definitely <laughs> a a before time and a and a now time when it comes to the intentionality of decision making and listening to the uh lead of the holy spirit and all of that so what's it been like for you oh man i i did just say being on the spot is really fun and, and easy for me yeah great <laughs> i um, am so curious oh no um i mean it's been hard uh, it's been a hard in a sense that's like, I kind of feel like I just, it's something I've never been encouraged to pursue. Mm. I feel like in, in general, discernment is something is you're just kind of expected to, to know you're supposed to do it, but there's very little guidance in what it means. Um, other than like, well, you should pray about it. <laughs> it's like, great. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Very helpful. Um, so even just like talking about it, I'm like, I just don't like, I don't know, like, mm-hmm. sure. It seems that sounds great, but like, this doesn't, it was so removed from like my lived experiences mm-hmm. and then just like a lack of, I don't know what the right word is, like encouragement to be curious about it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like I definitely had a like red car, blue car kind Mm -hmm. of idea of what it was. And so then, and then to be like, oh, your least favorite thing about like being vulnerable with your coworkers, that's actually what it's about. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, Uh, oh, I don't, I don't really enjoy this. (laughs) (laughs) But there's also, I mean... I feel like the, the benefits of it are so obvious. Sometimes it's, it's like, what's, what's the point in saying like, well, yeah, it, it is important for us as a missions organization Mm -hmm. to, to take it seriously. Um, you know, considering what God wants for Mm -hmm. us and for our, our partners that we have responsibility towards. Mm -hmm. So it's been, it's been educational and uncomfortable Mm -hmm. are the two words I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, Mm-hmm. That's a good, that's a good honest response. And those are good words. Would you yeah. say, if you want to edit this part out, you can, <laughs> would you say that you've seen any collective benefit or difference in our team where we are today? Um, you know, having been, it's been almost, a, it's been a couple of years now where there's been this intentional, intentional move in this. Would you say you see a difference in how we operate as a team or some of the benefits of it compared to before, or does it feel too tangible or I'm sorry, intangible or too soon? Um, I think, I think I can say with confidence that it is different. Mm -hmm. Like there is a difference. Um, I, I think it might even be too soon to, Mm -hmm. to even be able to pinpoint, like we used to be like this and now we're more like this. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, too soon in the sense we've been doing it for like two or three years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it's a long process apparently. Um, but I think everybody um, is intentional. Like you were saying, like there are times in our staff meetings where we're like, okay, well let's all just like think about this and come back next week. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in whether or not there's like, I don't know, measurable right. differences. Um, there is a difference. And maybe like Sarah, you're saying like, maybe we are toddlers falling down still. Mm. And so it's hard to know like, oh yeah, we're, we're totally walking. Like mm. we've got this down. It's like, well, we're, we're still young in it and new. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there is, there is a difference mm. and it's probably not worse. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> Time will tell. Right. <laughs> so I was, we've talked, I mean, in general discernment as not an individual activity, um, but is there a difference in discerning, you know, quote unquote, corporately, like, like we're talking with our staff, we're not really discerning individually together. We're, we're like one unit trying to make, come to a decision. Does that make sense? So like, are there, are there different things to consider when you think about, it's not just, I'm inviting someone into my discernment process, but like, we are all, you know, moving forward with a specific ex like outside mm -hmm. question or mm -hmm. decision. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things I've had to remind myself and allow the Holy Spirit to convict me of when we're as a group trying to make a decision around an external thing. Um, one of the things that I've had to be sensitive to is like how much of my own personal agenda is driving my contribution to this decision-making process as, as a team. And, and to be honest with myself and honest with the spirit, even in the moment of like, am I, am I saying these things or contributing to this decision, decision-making process because I'm, I'm even like idolizing a particular decision or a particular direction, um, or a particular outcome, or to use some language from that book, pursuing God's will together. Like, do I hold this in a posture of indifference? Have I really surrendered any sort of personal agenda um, that I might have, you know, to to the Lord's leading in this process? So I think that's, I mean, certainly that's true in an individual decision-making uh, journey, but I think it becomes even more apparent in a group setting. Um, and it's easy, right, to use like Christianese language to uh, like couch our couch our reasons and like all this spiritual language. And so I I've had to catch myself, like what's driving my passion in trying to determine an outcome or um, a particular decision and truly hold that in a posture of indifference towards the Lord. Mm -hmm. I'd say the only thing that I would say is in a corporate setting or a leadership setting uh, it really truly is more about each individual taking personal responsibility for their own walk with the Lord as far as formation. And so some of the things we've been doing that I've been attempting to implement are really helping tools for practice for listening and like pausing and working on these things, being attentive to how your body is responding so that discernment can just become a way of life for us as a group organizationally. 
um, and corporately so that we just, when it's time to make big decisions, we're already walking in this awareness of God and ourselves. We can be open and share, pray if we, and wrestle if we need to, and then move forward rather than it just be this, you all come in, we have these steps we have to make and decisions. And then as the head will set the vision for it and we either tag along or not, you know, depending on how that works or what the decision is, it's not really about making the right decision, but about sensing God's movement and being kind of in unity with that. So as we start to wrap up our conversation, there's much more we could talk about. Um, But as, as an individual who's listening and is like, I'm, I'm into this discernment stuff. I'm intrigued by this idea. What, um, Sarah, maybe is one or two things that a person could implement today or, um, start thinking about if they want to become more intentional about their discernment process. Mm-hmm. I'd say if you're a leader, a couple of helpful resources to walk you through that process our, uh, ben mentioned a book earlier, Pursuing God's Will Together by Ruth Haley Barton, and then also by her, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. Those are really helpful tools. Mm-hmm. Um, she'll talk about the different you know, practices you can do personally and then corporately in those books. Um, that's super helpful. But if you're asking you know, for your own personal discernment and like figuring out the movement of God around you and in you, I would certainly get grab a friend, someone you trust that is kind of that you sense is on that same journey and then start asking each other really good questions and creating some space to be open when you have things you're trying you you think you're sensing from God or decisions that you have to make. Be super open together and actually take time to listen and pray. Just give God quick space, be like, what do you think about this? It doesn't have to be complicated, you know, and wordy. Um, And then there's simple, helpful tools if you're not even really fully aware of your own self that we've done, like breath prayers, you can Google that or Lectio Divina. These are super helpful and just kind of learning God in this way and how he moves and how he talks. And then um, there's a cool website called Practicing the Way that is very practical on most of those spiritual uh, practices. I think it's practicingtheway.org. Super helpful for anybody, uh, whether you're in church or an individual, to go to. Hmm. Ben, do you have anything you would recommend in addition to Sarah? I think as trivial as this one sounds, one of the things that's actually been really helpful for me personally is we as a team and and now I've started doing it for other reasons, just in my own individual life, we actually set um, daily alarms for different things. And so Mm -hmm. uh, Sarah each month discerns or, or someone on our team will suggest um, a particular passage of scripture that seems timely for, for whatever month we're in for our organization. And at noon every day, uh, depending on what time zone you're in, we, have a little alarm that goes off on our phone and that passage, you know, a reminder shows up and, and the, the intent is we all just sort of pause and, 
you know, read that scripture and maybe listen if there's anything the Lord has for us as an organization or for the people that we're praying for. And, and being, you know, like full disclosure of the seven days of the week, there's probably, you know, three or four of those where like the alarm goes off and I'm at a lunch meeting and I turn it off and, you know, continue on with my day. But there are, there are at least a couple days a week where I, I do actually pause and, um, take at least a few moments to, to just reflect and meditate on that passage and, you know, just ask, okay, God, what is it today you want me to, to, um, sort of focus on. And that's been a helpful practice that's translated into like, we had a decision, our board this last week that we had to take some time to think about. And we did that as a board. Okay. Set a time, take two minutes. What are you feeling? What are you hearing from God? So it, it seems really simple and, and trivial, but I'll say for me personally, it's been very helpful just as a very practical practice um, to, mm-hmm. to get more used to naturally pausing and taking the time to listen. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think one of the last things I would say too is the other thing I've had to um, learn or, or allow the spirit to teach me is, is just to give myself. And so for the listener to give yourself a lot of grace in this journey and Sarah, this mm-hmm. is something you already hit on. So I'm, I'm really just coming back around to something you've already said that we can agonize over this sort of stuff so much. And, and there are some life decisions that require some agony and some, you know, a lot of like, Oh my gosh, I feel the weight of this, but I, I'm just becoming more and more convinced every day of how God, God redeems our decisions and God is so Mm -hmm. gracious to us and, and probably doesn't care if you get a red car or a blue car and either way, he's going to do some really amazing things through your life. If we continue to adopt that posture of humility and desiring him in his way. And so I, I think there's probably a lot of people who are paralyzed or filled with agony or anxiety about decisions that um, those things don't come from the father and and I, I just hope can be freed from those things because there's so much freedom and grace um, in this particular part of our faith journey in decision making <laughs>